Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with Merkage Dave and it's an absolute belter of a chat. Uh, he's He's got some energy, man, and we have a lovely chat and it, it goes all over the shop uh, musically um, and, yeah, you're in for a treat with today's episode. Um, before we get on with it, a few thank yous. Um, first of all, always the biggest thanks go to you lot for continuing to, to listen to Off The Beaten Track and, yeah, Give us your support and your your social media likes and shares. So so big love to use. Um, also, always like to thank Mr. Scroobius Pip and everybody um, at the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, go check the network out. This podcast is super proud to be part of it. Um, big thanks to my mate Tom for facilitating this this episode. Thanks loads, mate, uh, and thanks to Seventy Six for producing the audio to ensure today's natter sounds nice and good. Okay, also, if this is your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track, welcome. Um, But when you've finished listening to my uh, chat today, go check out the back catalogue because you've got 400 episodes available now um, and you can hear me chatting to um, artists as diverse as producer Butch Vig, producer Fatboy Slim. Uh, You can hear me talking to Chuck D of Public Enemy. Uh, You can hear me talking to um, incredible acting talents like um, Maxine Peake, Joe Hartley, Thomas Turgus. Um, Comedians, you can hear me talking to James Acaster, Maisie Adam, um, Ed Gamble. Uh, Yeah, there's so so many uh, episodes for you to get stuck into. Artists such as Foo Fighters, Motley Crue, Suede, Idols... Sleaford Mods, the list is endless. Go and have an explore, and I'm sure you'll see some artists that you'll go, oh, I'd be quite interested to hear what records have made their uh, their minds tick throughout their creative journey. Um, and if that's not enough, then you can get loads more content, um, and you can get, well, you can watch all the episodes for one, uh, and that's over on uh, my Patreon. Uh, so you can get like weekly um, DJ um, radio shows, um, Spotify playlists. Um, like I say, you can watch all the episodes. And, and there's a back catalogue of three, 400 episodes over there. And that will cost you a dollar a month. 
So what's that? 70p a month. And that's 70p. Essentially, you're just supporting the podcast um, and helping me sort of pay for all the bits and pieces to ensure that I can continue to, to give two episodes a week for free. Um, so, yeah, if you can dig deep. I know times are tough, man, and, and the, the cost of living is ridiculous. But, yeah, if, it's, uh, if that's a lot of money uh, in, in your current budget, no worries. Just go and enjoy all the free shit. Otherwise, if you can spare 70-odd P a month um, to, to support the podcast, it will be absolutely delightful of you. Um, anyway, that's enough of the hard selling. Um, everything you need to know about this podcast, by the way, um, is at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Anyway, I know why you're here. Please enjoy today's episode of Off The Beat and Track Podcast with the delightful Merkage Dave. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off the Beat and Track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So, One of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out, www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon, and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with it. Okay, we are recording. Dave, how are you today, mate? Yeah, good, man. How you, Stu? Yeah, yeah. Well, all right, mate. Well, all right. Well, um, before we get into to songs and uh, and your creative journey, I just want to touch on the creative process and journey and and how that's how that was over the last couple of years. So all of a sudden, when the world stops turning the way it was turning, everything kind of had to be readdressed and reset and looked at certainly with 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 you know most creatives that their, their, their process had to kind of revert to being maybe more DIY than it had ever been um just talk me through uh the the the, the sort of two years of 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 pandemic and how it affected you um but both personally and creatively um yeah i mean i, I was I, I got pretty lucky man i'd i'd come off tour end of 2019 um, and I was always, I was always going to be making an album. Luckily, as a lot of friends had like their whole schedules like messed about and stuff. I was lucky in that regard. Um, and I've always kind of like made music out of kind of like makeshift studios, um, staying on people's sofas and all that stuff. So I was kind of like, I was kind of, I got very lucky. I was prepared for it. I think that, um, uh, or what would I say? Um, like I, I was planning, I was planning to travel a lot, um, and obviously, like I, I managed to get out to Copenhagen the beginning of 2020. But and I think maybe 
did I go Berlin before that? But everything else just got thrown out the window. And it was just like, yeah, like every day in the back room of our flat, just going in. But actually, I ended up being more productive than I'd ever been. I think I wrote the most amount of songs in a period of time that I've ever written. And um, I had all the song names there and like all the kind of concepts I had in my head. So it kind of like, it, I, I would say that it wasn't the most like, it wasn't the most like fun writing process, but it was kind of like necessary. I think, I think it was kind of like, I don't know, like I've, I've, it is what it is. You just react to the circumstances you're in. Did but you I feel like it's, yeah. Did you put pressure on yourself, Dave? Like knowing, right, okay, look, touring's not going to be happening for the foreseeable. Like I've got this, this time now where theoretically you can't leave your home. Like, did you feel a, a pressure put upon yourself that like, right, I need to max this time and like utilize it? At first, no, because it was just like, there was just like a novelty in it. So it's mm. just like, I was just getting like mashed up, just making like Long Island ass teas like every day. Just it was airport rules, wasn't it, when it first yeah, started? Yeah, it was like, it's exactly. 10 o'clock in the morning, let's have a beer. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, that's what I was definitely on. But I just realized quickly that this was not going to really run. And I think like, you know, I was getting like, um, it's weird. I, I started getting like the jitters, you know, like my, my hands would be like shaky, like um, kind of... Um, I don't know, it's weird kind of like physical anxiety that I started kind of getting. So I had to kind of like, I guess because I was like psychologically, I was worried about making the album and doing it in, that, in this kind of like way. But so I just like, I just sorted it out. I just started exercising in the mornings um, and just kind of like, it was weird, like almost like treating it like a job in a way. Like, so even though like it was like hyper creative, I would never force myself to like kind of like hit a target each day or anything like that. But just like in terms of the amount of time that I spent doing it, even if I was sitting there and looking at the screen and not doing anything, I would just what just like almost like treat it like sure. like a like a job. And then if I had to go over, I would obviously go over. But like yeah, I almost like had like a almost did it like a nine to five and then just yeah. like try to like relax my mind in the evenings, you know. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's start your playlist. And uh, for track one, I'm going to yeah, ask man. you, please, to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. Yeah, man. So this is um, Jay-Z, The Ruler's Back, um, which opens up the Blueprint album, uh, one of my favorite. I say my, maybe my favorite Jay-Z album. It's hard to say. depends what week you ca- catch me on. Yeah. Um, legendary album that like, came out, I think, the same week that like, September the 11th happened. Mm. So it was kind of just like a mad time. Um, and um, I mean just like musically I think, I think it's Just Blaze on this one I know Kanye did half of the produced half of the album and Just Blaze produced half I think this one's just and it just kind of musically the way it opens I mean Jay-Z's got some amazing intros to a lot of his albums but just I don't know just the kind of tension is just incredible musically but also like I think one of the things that wows me is that the like a lot of his verse uh, is like an in, uh, interpolation of a slick Rick record that's also called The Ruler's Back. Yeah. And so it's like, he's kind of like, it's, it's amazing how he's managing to kind of like touch on all this stuff that's to do with him, that's to do with the current times. But 
he's and and, and I don't know. It's just uh, just that blend of um, you know, like um, you know, like like kind of going back against people that are trying to like detractors and people that are trying to stop him or legal issues and um, but then also talking about like political stuff, social stuff. But then, but then putting it within the framework of another record, yeah. it's kind of like he, he, Jay Z is very good at doing that. I think like cementing himself in the lineage of like the great storytellers, the great writers, um, and and yeah. So like, I mean, if you go back and for anyone listening, if you if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to the Slick Rick version as well, and you'll be like, wow, like the way he did that is like amazing, you know? Yeah. Talk me through. Um your creative process when it when it comes essentially to to the intro do you you know do you have considerations for getting on spotify playlists you know you see with more i guess commercial pop music that right you know no fat on this it's got to be like straight in with a big chorus hook them like does any of that kind of you know the fact that the the way that people consume music now is, is you know it's far there's far more stuff out there than than maybe back in the day when you could only afford like a couple of cds or a couple of records a week or whatever you know that you've got mm. everything there and, and you, you you know that you're flooded with new music like and and so you know I've, do you know what dave i've asked this question 400 times now on this podcast and i've still never framed it right i still can't get it right yeah. where i'm trying to go there I j- there's so many trends in music that kind of in a way take the art out of music but then it's an art form in itself to create the perfect pop record as well i just want to know what kind of things influence your creative process when you're writing and essentially the in intro do you get where i'm going with a question dave no i i, to- I totally understand the question I, I think that technology um does change the way that i mean i, I don't think about it like in terms of like my songwriting but I think sometimes subconsciously these things do affect you um I I I think that like um you know like even like the idea of the three and a half minute pop song someone told me that that's actually to do with like when singles were being released on vinyl it was the optimum amount of time that's correct for the for the for the thickness of the vinyl that they could use and stuff like that so we just think of it as it's always been that way Mm. or it was like that was the kind of amount of attention that uh, a person could have on it. But it's actually, it was actually a technology reason. So I guess like what you're looking at in this time is, is the same thing. I mean, I I definitely don't like deliberately, I don't think about Spotify playlists at all because I haven't really, I feel like I get a lot of my plays just from people repeat playing um, something that they're like, there's a message there for them that they're emotionally attached to. And, and I, I, you know, that's kind of like why I write music, you know? So I don't really like think about like playlists. Um, I think like when you say intro, do you mean an intro to an album or just a song? Cause like, I think like that's. Yeah. I mean, ra- rather than it being sort of something more sort of conceptual about an album, I, I, I think, uh, you know, just a track. Yeah, it depends how it feels, I think. I'm trying to think about it, like, if on my last album or on this, this album, there's certain songs, like, so, like, my song, um, World I Want to Live In, I come straight in, do not read the comments. That's the first thing that I say before, the first um, note comes in before any music is played. Um, but it's because I felt like that was kind of, like, the impactful thing 
that I wanted to like th- that's that's how I wanted to arrest people um straight away whereas like a, a song like uh say like another single that I put out us lot there has like there's like a instrumental um like opening before the beat drops in and then the vocal drops in on the beat I I think it's to do with I think most musicians would like to feel like that it's more just like organic and I definitely I'm trying to it's a really interesting question because I'm actually trying to think about it honestly and I think that like I don't actively think about it but I guess like there'll be loads of factors that you know like if you're listening to a lot of modern music the structures of these songs do start to kind of like bleed into your own process and stuff like that and um it depends as well like you know like uh uh the opening of a club record is different to the opening of, or like an acoustic record is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I've really given you a clear answer, but oh, the, the question weren't very myself. clear, so the, it's good that the answer was the same. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> All right, well let's 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 take you back for track two, um, and I'm going to ask you please to tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. <laughs> okay, cool. So. Uh, 3T, anything, man. Uh, Talk talk me through it, man. Yeah, for those that don't know, man. Because I was thinking about this. I was like, was it Boys to Men? It might have been a Boys to Men one. But I feel like 3T, for like the age that I was, and just like that they were... I remember, obviously, for those that don't know, they're they're Michael Jackson's nephews. You know, same nose and everything. But, uh, (laughs) but, uh... (laughs) But 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 like they they were like always on like I think it was like CD UK yeah or like and like I think they were on top of the pops and all that stuff and I remember like they used to like wear like backpacks on stage and um, I remember like one of the, one time they did a performance and one of them just started crying like mid performance on television and I don't think I'd ever seen something like that before I mean looking back it's like I don't know I mean. You know, in terms of like the kind of like the R and B kind of like tapestry, it, it's not a record that kind of gets brought up as much as as a kind of a, like a standout. But I do think actually it really had a moment, and it really kind of like owned the time that it was in. And I went back and listened to it, and I think it's held up well. I, th- I think that whole that first three T album, like the musicianship on it. And the arrangements is like really kind of like rich, like they, they they weren't messing about. So it's kind of like a kind of like like a semi guilty pleasure, but actually like you know like sometimes you go back, you want to go back and see is that embarrassing or yeah. do you know what I mean? And and actually it was like better than I would have given myself credit for at the time. Yeah. If you see what I'm saying, and actually it was kind of kind of sick. Yeah. What was the emotion? I guess like just kind of like melancholy, sadness, longing, you know, just traditional kind of like R and B, yeah, uh, like slow jam emotions, man. Um, and I was, I, you know, when I was growing up, I was definitely like on that side of things, you know, like a kind of soul boy, sweet boy vibe. So it definitely yeah. appealed, even though like I hadn't really been through. Like one girl probably had dumped me in the playground and that was it. But do you know what I mean? 
That, that shit hurts though, man. <laughs> yeah, it does. This, to, to be fair, those ones probably the worst ones. You know, they're probably the worst ones. More importantly, what the fuck was in them backpacks? Boy, that's a good um, question. They're not, they've not taken their sandwiches to top of the pops, man. Like that is that is a good question. <laughs> I think free tea. If you're out there and you're listening, <laughs> this is the this is the this is the answers that the people yeah. wanna wanna want, yeah wanna know, man. We want to know the actual baggage. Let us know like what was in it. Uh, surely that was pre laptops. Were laptops a thing then? I don't know. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah. This was like, I mean, the the we had we had a computer in the house that was like a Packard Bell, like three eight six. Yeah, like you know, I think this was even before like Pentium, bro. Yeah, I think it might have been like the first, <laughs> the first Pentium chip. Like it was, yeah. uh, it was like MS DOS era, yeah. bro. Like there was there was no social media. Television was the thing, you know, and um, they were like, yeah, they just had that moment with that. That I think it was like mid nineties, yeah. and they were just they were just running it. I think they 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 did the business in the UK yeah. for a couple of years. You know? Well, they were all good looking boys, weren't they? Like so, yeah, they were got thrown in with like the sort of boy band thing as well, didn't they? Like they there was all of that going on in the mid nineties as well. And I think like yeah. and, and like, you know they come from you know pretty good stock. You know if uh, if you you know if your mum and dad are a, 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 a Jacksons, then yeah, uh, you, you know you've you got well musical bones. Like, yeah, yeah. May as well get it popping, man. Like, it make, make, makes sense. Yeah, I think, the, I think the, the boy band thing is, is really interesting because, like, yeah, the kind of dynamic between... You had, like... There's, like, new kids on the block and stuff. But then, really, before that, you had um, New Edition. Mm. I think, like, New Edition were, like... Obviously, like, Bobby Brown was in New Edition and stuff. That was, like, a bit before my time. Obviously, like, I went back and listened to all the stuff but like I don't know just like super influential just that kind of like dance between the R&B boy bands and the pop boy bands it was kind of like that was the thing I think well I, I caught that I'm 49 so I when, when okay. Candy Girl come out like that was on the, the first ever record I bought was the first ever Now compilation and, uh, and and Candy Girl was on it and and it's obviously such a brilliant pop song like, mm. I, I was all over it. And then I think the second thing was like Mr. Telephone Man, I believe. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. And then like, that was it. I didn't think of New Edition again. And then all of a sudden, people were like, yeah, but like Bobby Brown, he was in New Edition. I was like, really? Yeah. I, was like, I wonder what the other guys are up to. And then it was like Belle Biv DeVoe. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. And it was like, po- mean, poison. fucking hell, yeah. poison. What a, fuck, yeah, yeah. What, what a fucking tune that is, man. Like, it just lasted, lasted forever. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny. Like I seen, like I think it was like a Kanye interview, and he said that that ended up being the most like successful New Jack Swing song, even yeah. though it was kind of like a copy of a Teddy Riley vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I find that kind of interesting. You know, that sometimes, yeah, I don't know. Or you know, like um, like uh, Marvin Gaye uh, got got to give it up. It was like he was taking the piss out of disco. Yeah. Or like his la- his label had wanted him to make a a disco record, and he just did, and then it ends up being. I just find that really interesting. Sometimes the motivations for making a record, and then where they end up, you know. But yeah, I think Marvin Gaye was just a fucking maverick with with shit like that. Obviously, right, yeah. pro- pro- probably the most, you know, I, I guess daring record ever is well documented. Like 
you know, that, that, that Barry Gordy was not into what's going on. And like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, just, that, that changed, that changed music forever. Like, you know, in terms of the idea of like soul music being political, you know, and, and a concept even, album. Yeah. Right. It just, just like, you know, Barry Gordy. Yeah. Like he, like you're saying, he's trying to stop it from happening. It's like, this is not how, this is not what Motown's about. We're not trying to like rock the boat. We're trying to sell kind of like black music to like mainstream, you know, Western white audience. And it, and then he's like coming out, criticizing the government, criticize, you know, some issues that we're still dealing with today. Like, you know, yeah. like the environment and, you know, all this kind of stuff, like anti-war message. But it, it does so well commercially. No Biggest selling album shit. in the history of Motown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so no one can say shit to him. And then, and then, yeah. and then, and then you get like, because no one was writing on, I guess it was only Smokey that was writing on yeah. for himself. And then, and then because, and then Stevie starts writing for himself. And then you get that whole run in the 70s where he's just like, wow. Like, that's my favourite run of any artist, yeah. I think, is Stevie Wonder in the 70s. And then, and then, uh, and then, and then actually, ultimately, you get the, the Jackson 5 leaving Motown because they won't let them write. And then they go to Epic and, and then you get all of that stuff. So it's yeah. like, man, like, but that, that album I mean, is the, it's one of the most pivotal albums in, 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 in pop music history. It's my favourite album by a mile. By uh-huh. a mile. It's like, I don't think you can ever listen to that and just think, oh, do you know what would have sounded good there? Ain't going to happen. It's yeah. fucking perfect. <laughs> There's no... It, it, it's just perfect. And it's just such a... And I don't want to sound like some middle-aged old man, which I am, but it is such a fucking journey, that record. And, like, and it's just a beautiful beautiful record and yeah i i, I just i'm a, a ridiculous fan anyway but like for me just in, in music alone whatever mood i'm in up down whatever you put that record on and i'm, I'm lost in it absolutely yeah, 100%. Lost in it. i think i think a big part of that is the kind of way that it kind of i i don't even look at it as like obviously you've got the standout songs on it but i when i listen to it i don't look at it as like a collection of songs i look at it as one piece of music and i think that like the impact of that even like you know we're talking about jay-z blueprint album you can hear when you listen to that album sonically the way it's like rich and it flows there's definitely like an influence like people definitely you know any album you can you can think of where like there's a whole body of of, like it kind of runs like almost like a school mm-hmm. like they've gone back and listened to what's going on that's yeah. like the one yeah maybe also like i would say like pet sounds for me is one 100%. that like also has that's my, that number, that's my of, number two right okay so we're we're on the same wave yeah 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 but like those are yeah you know the, you know even like you, you listen to like uh I don't know, like a Kendrick album or... Go back um, even to like Three Feet High and Rising, De La Soul. That whole right, album yeah. is a concept. It literally flows from start to beginning. Interludes all the way through that hold it together like what's going on. It's like mm. incredible. Absolutely incredible. Uh, go on, sorry, man. I jumped. I got overexcited then. No, no, cool. And uh, no. you talk about Kendrick. No, wait, I just said, whether you want to look at Kendrick or uh, Tyler, the creator, I think that like it, it's, all in the, it's all in the legacy 
uh, of that record, I think, of, of, of that, I guess that time, you know, um, and that those, I mean, those two records that we mentioned are definitely two that kind of, I don't know, shape the way. And, and I still try and like with my own stuff, I think, I, I feel like a lot of, you know, people say, you know, we're talking about how technology has changed the trends. But for me, I think an album's still important as like a kind of um, an artistic um, statement and um, co- cohesion, like the, 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 the track order. Even for me, like the, the, the amount of seconds in between a song, uh, you know, that's something that me and uh, Cause, uh, who like exec produces my albums with me, um, we, we actually... Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. As you look at, you know. Okay. Let's stay in the uh, the formative years. Um, track three, the song that reminds you of your time at school, please. Okay, there was a lot here, man, that I was thinking about because it's like, you know, it's like I was thinking of Fuji's, of, you know, uh, Dr. Dre, but I feel like I landed on Oasis, She's Electric, because I guess, like, it was like a time where, like, I guess back then things... And this is one of the, 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 the cool things about now is that, like, I feel like there's less tribalism musically now. I totally agree. And, and back then it was like, if you were, like, more of a soul R&B boy, or I was kind of getting into UK Garage as well. So, like, guitar music was, like, the enemy, kind of, which is silly because, actually, soul and indies, but I, it's a, obviously a bigger conversation, but I actually think it's the same genre. But, like, it's like, at that time, I was, like... I didn't really rate a lot of guitar stuff, but I couldn't deny Oasis. It was like that, you know, those albums and it, 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 the songwriting was so good and it was just like, it was just everywhere. And it was just like, I just remember like people singing that song. Obviously, I think there's Oasis songs that like I prefer, but like that song, I just remember everyone like singing it in the corridor at school. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, and, and, and so... 
I, it kind of lands me. I, like, when I hear it, it just lands me back in a, in a, in a place, you know? Yeah. This, that period of, of Oasis, like that Morning Glory album, like, I, I think, I'm sure he'd admit it himself, but like, he was at his creative peak, Noel Gallagher there. Like, yeah. I, 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 I look at it and with like, um, the singles, like some might say, like, um, he was using the track like Acquiesce as a B-side. And there's indie bands then that would have given their right arm to have had that <laughs> as their crowning moment. And he yeah, was yeah, throwing yeah. them on B-sides. And it's like, <laughs> that's how cocky and confident he was in yeah. his output at that point. There was no stopping him. And and I've, I've run an indie nightclub for 30 years. And, and I've watched these different tribes all come and go. And then in 1990. Four, I guess, when Oasis exploded, and then it just went again with the whole Blur Oasis rivalry thing with, with that yeah, record. Yeah. I saw the demographic change in indie clubs. All of a sudden, all right, it okay, moved. because yeah, up until yeah, yeah. then, Dave, you'd have like you know Nirvana had happened, and like previous to that, yeah. the Stone Roses and the Manchester thing had happened, but it was all still very a bit underground, and it was all a bit. You, you, your average guy on the street would be like, who's them scruffy weirdos making that yeah, noise? Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, all yeah, of a yeah, sudden, yeah. these two brothers come out writing essentially great pop records. Exactly, yeah. Talking about football, fighting, fucking. And all of a sudden, <laughs> the guys in the football terraces are like, I like these guys. And then before yeah. you know it, they're buying Blur records, they're buying Suede records and Pulp records, and right, then right, they're right. turning up at indie clubs, and it just blew it open. And I remember Noel Gallagher said, when I walked out on the first night of playing Nebworth uh, with Oasis, I looked out and I thought, I think I fucking killed the indie scene. Like, that underground <laughs> scene, he took it to the masses. And, it, you know, at that point, yeah, of course there was Garage, and of course there was so much other music going on, but... I reckon 95, 96, around that time of that Blur Oasis thing, guitar music was the biggest thing coming out of the UK. It was ridiculous. At at that point, yeah. And that's a really interesting thing, actually, because I I was a bit too young to see that. But obviously, I've I've, I've been a club promoter as well. And those kind of things, yeah, seeing that, I never thought about that, you know, that... Because my association... You know, like a guy, yeah, like a guy in a football shirt. Yeah. I will associate him, I guess, because there was so much stuff that came after that, whether you want to talk about Kasabian or whatever. But yeah. it's like that guy in a football shirt, I would always have associated him with guitar music. There's no period where I would, I would have thought that they looked at it as a bit. But then, yeah, if you, would have, if you want to look at, yeah, like the, the kind of Seattle stuff or. But that, yeah, what, like that the, never the got the tag. Stuff. That yeah, never got yeah. the, the lad culture tagged to it. Oasis yeah, yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, they were yeah, lads. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's what really, really sold it. That's really, that's like fascinating. I love stuff like that, man. Like, you know, like when you just like see like there's a piece that just kind of like fits and it, 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 it helps you understand music, but also just like British popular culture. Like I watched like during the pandemic, I watched a documentary about um, Style Council and that just like how good was that wow like it just blew my mind because it it kind of like made me see like a whole like i say because i wasn't like into guitar music until like really the noughties 
so it it was like it kind of opened my eyes to like a kind of like like again like that legacy that kind of like of of um not because obviously like star star council I, I, I wouldn't count them as like a guitar band but just like almost just like the kind of like um there's like a line between i guess like star council happy mondays and the streets and i never looked at it like that so like i got into the streets uh through uk garage and i never seen i, I never you know, you know, and obviously, like I ended up going on tour with Mike and stuff, but it was like, and and you got you got this element of the audience, and that kind of didn't look at it like rap music or didn't look at it like garage or whatever. And I was always kind of confused by that. But then there's this other kind of line that it's connected to that I didn't realize. You know, like you know, like a political kind of dapper dressing. Kind of, I guess, like from that, like a mod revival, and then kind of like poetry over American U.S. club beats. You know, it's, it's it's kind of crazy when you start to see these things, and it just, I think, every time I get one of these kind of like, you've just given me another one there. Do you know what I mean? Where it's just kind of like blow my mind, and it just helps me understand like British popular culture on a level that, yeah, I never, I never thought, I never thought of. It's a bit like when my mum told me, like, my mum's Jamaican, and, like, my mum told me that, like, Rastas, obviously, like, over here, say, uh, most of the exported, that the average person, the idea of Jamaica is, like, is uh, kind of rooted in Bob Marley and then goes from there. Sure. But, like, my mum was explaining to me that Rastas, and when I went over there, I could kind of see that, that Rastas were like more like travellers, like what travellers are here. Yeah. And so they were like outside of society and uh and uh not not the not the mainstream. And you've just showed me that again, like that the guitar thing, the indie thing wasn't I've always associated it with lad culture. Obviously yeah. I know I know there's obviously like degrees of it where it can be more kind of like left of that but I've never thought of the idea of someone in a football t-shirt going what's yeah. this shit do you know what yeah. I mean yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. That, that's kind of blown my mind so thank you man that's like <laughs> but you're, that, you're, you're probably gonna get another album off me just from that <laughs> <laughs> but you you say that about like um the streets and the streets definitely like transcended that you know the, the enemy got hold of the streets from day one as well and they're yeah. they're, they're, they're selling that to, to indie kids and it was like yeah 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 wow yeah. What, what is this and it's like it was incredible and the same and it's i think it's that level of social commentary that 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 you can just get hold of that he, that is essentially quite british and and i think that was something that you know garage was so british and but i think yeah. Arctic Monkeys, that first album, them lyrics yeah, yeah, on yeah. that first album, talking about young lads in tracky bottoms scrapping with like pool cues. It's like yeah, we yeah. all know that, we all yeah, see yeah, that. Yeah, That's yeah, where yeah. we live, and it's like, and I think, and I think again that the fact that they just look like young lads in in jeans and a tracky top, it was like, oh yeah, I get that. Whereas yeah. you know, you look at a David Bowie, and I love David Bowie, but yeah. David Bowie looked like he was from out of space and so that's a different world do you know what i mean yeah, but yeah. that that thing where you instantly just go yeah well that's 
Yeah, I get that. And like, and God, like, you know, there's a Liam and Noel Gallagher in any pub you go to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's always sure. some brash guy in there, you know, that, that yeah. thinks he's got it all sorted. And like, and, and I think that's why just people just got on. And the press obviously just run with it because it was, it yeah. was so different. And it was like, right, we've got this indie band that like fellas on football you know, fellas in football terraces are, are going mad for, and like mm. so, yeah, it, it, it definitely transcended it. But and I think what, actually, gu- guitar music. You spoke about Arctic Monkeys. It's like they. I think like after Arctic's, it's like I think guitar music loses its way a bit and like huge. kind of disappears up up its own arse. I think it it kind of like loses the contact with the street, and uh, then and, and also I think I think that the, the the resist resisting the the changes in production. I think I, I, there's different arguments for whether that should or shouldn't have happened, but I think that that affect. And then you kind of get the the indie boys of the time end up doing, you know, whether it's like a I don't know, like a James Blake or whoever. Like they end up doing other things. But I I, I kind of feel like it's back now. I mean, I kind of like. Um, I really like Fontaine's DC. Like I feel yeah, like they're kind of bringing that right. that energy, like that that energy back, like yeah. that that um, I think has been missing in guitar. There's a sense of urgency in their music. Like it just it feels like they've got to fucking say this and get it off their yeah. chest. It's like yeah, they're 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 definitely one of the most exciting new bands out there. Well, they're not even that new now, I guess, but like they're so exciting. Like oh. right, okay. Um, this this hopefully will be the embarrassing one. Um, track four, <laughs> the first yeah, song you yeah. remember buying from a record shop, please, mate. Yeah, bruv. Spice Girls, wannabe, bruv. Say it with my chest. <laughs> I say it proud, man. No, <laughs> no fucks given, bro. <laughs> but do, do, do you know what it is? And I, I, I was thinking about it. I was thinking, oh, let me just say, because I had been given, you know, someone gave me a copy of Jungle Mania before that. But I didn't buy it, so yeah. I, I could have said Jungle Mania, and it would. No have been one like wants cool, the cool answer, man. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? I, I could have said that, and and then got more points. But do you know what it is? I think there's something like, and it goes back to like my time, you know, my 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 time in Jamaica, and like when I was over there, they don't have the idea of the guilty pleasure, and I found that like really, um, like. Uh, liberating as a music fan because you know you be in like a hardcore like a like a dancehall every the dj's just running straight dancehall and then he'll just play like wham wake me up before you go go in the middle of the rave and like everyone's going mad for that as well and i i found it kind of like really liberating so when i came back to england i kind of started moving with that thing and it was like I, so now, when I look when I look back at stuff like this, it's something that I probably would have not admitted to before. But I think that there's something quite pure about like just really liking it. It's just a really well written song, and also just like culturally, again, it just it just turned the key and, and like created like such a big moment in the kind of like in the tapestry of 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 UK popular culture. But like I just responded to it as a child was just like, I really like this. And I went to our price and I bought it on cassette. <laughs> That's kind of kind of it, really, you know. I, I, I totally agree. I think, like, I, I don't subscribe to a guilty pleasure. A pleasure's a pleasure, man. And it's like, yeah. you know, w- w- when I was growing up, you know, I, I, I listened to all sorts of, you know, 
pop music that I'm, I'm sure, you know, your chin scratches are probably go, well, that's just shit. And I'm like, but <laughs> if I hear it, it will trigger memories, smells, like all sorts. And it's like, and I like that, man. And you shouldn't feel yeah. guilty for that. Do you know what I mean? Nah, it's man. just like, yeah. Oh, God, you, you look at my Spotify playlist history. It's, yeah, I, I, I'd say a lot of people would be like, fuck me, what is he listening to that shit for? <laughs> but, like, but, you know, if if it makes you feel nostalgic, you know, I'm, I'm all over it. I don't really see what the problem is. I think that's something that you maybe mature into a little bit. Do you know what I mean? I think you're so precious when you're young, aren't you, that, like, you don't want to be seen to not be cool and, you, you know, yeah, you do yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. I think as you get older, you start to give a few less fucks, don't you? And it's like, well, hang on, I like this. Like, who cares? Yeah, it's just so wrapped up in your identity. I mean, I, I remember, like, a few years later, like, literally like having a blazing row with someone about Artful Dodger being better than Nirvana. And it's just like, that's like, that's like the, it's like the dumbest conversation. It's like, how can you even really like compare the music? It's just like, it was just basically like saying, I was basically saying to this person and they were saying to me like, my identity is, you know, that we were just having an argument about identity. Yeah. You know, and I think that like, Definitely, I think you, you're right. You, you kind of get to a point where it doesn't, it doesn't define you, and you're kind of a bit more, um, like solid in 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 who. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You are, you know, but yeah, but yeah man, yeah. I, I remember, like, if, if, like, my pals were coming round, like, when I lived, you know, when I was young, I was, like, a teenager living around my folks and that, uh, and I'd have like you know my, my my vinyl collection like resting against the wall. I'd always kind of have that last minute panic of thinking, oh fuck, which, which album should I put at the front? Yeah. What's my coolest <laughs> yeah, record? Yeah. What do I want yeah, these yeah, girls yeah. to see when they walk yeah, in? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I used to do the same thing. Like when I was like at, when I was at uni for a well, I got kicked out of uni pretty quickly. But I'd have like a CD rack in my my my, my like dorm or whatever. And I'd always make sure that the top albums were like the most cool, interesting, 
albums. <laughs> so tragic, isn't it? Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's a bit... I, I, I listened to like a, a, a podcast with, um, you know, the artist Self-Esteem. Yeah. And she was saying she was, was like... That, was that uh, her on Scroobius Pips? No, it was like, uh, my brain can't load information at the moment. I'm like, uh, uh, it will come to me. But like she was saying that uh, she was like the kind of, you know, like the archetypal kind of cool indie girl. Um, I think it was her. Do you know, I might be misquoting yeah, her. Yeah, because she, think... she was in Slow Club, I think, the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she was at home. She was listening to Beyonce <laughs> and not telling anyone, you know. And, 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 and I find that really interesting. And I, I think actually the turning point, uh, you know, because I think, and, and I think that was the problem. I think that's where indie started having that problem of like, because like for me, it's like, you know, if you look at like the Beatles or whatever, they were, you know, they started off doing covers of, you know, like Motown records and stuff. But then the fact that indie gets to a point where like you can't even admit that you listen to Beyonce yeah. is kind of crazy. But then I think funnily enough, I don't know if I'm just kind of like, it was just the way that I observed it. But I think something about when Drake first came out, turned the key again and it was kind of like cool I think maybe because he was more kind of like he came at it at first on this kind of like it was almost like Morrissey do you know what I mean like where he was talking about like you know first world problems and like I don't know like admitting to like a lot of I don't think he's much he's not he's not fully on that now but like back then it was like yeah yeah it was kind of like and I think that kind of like key like kind of like turned the key with like indie heads to be like Back, back in that thing but I found that really funny that she said that you know yeah yeah totally yeah. right I'm going to take your clubbing uh, for track okay, five let's go the song that soundtrack your years clubbing please I mean again I thought about this a lot but I, I would say that like because I'm someone that like I've loved going out I've been going out since like I, I look super old so like when I was like 13 I looked like I was 30 so I've just been going out. I've been going out since then and I still, you know, I don't go out as much now, but I still love going out when I can. And so it's like, yeah, Roy Davis Jr. Uh, featuring Pevin Everett, uh, Gabriel, which is like, has been the most, probably the, the most consistent record that I would, I think the reason I've picked it is because it's one of my favourite ever songs, but also you'll hear it. I, I was hearing it from the first time I went out to if I go out, tomorrow i'll hear it yeah and i think that that's like it has to be the one that de- defines it then you know yeah. because it's lasted so long where was clubbing i mean i started off i mean you know obviously i think we spoke before we started recording about you know you said you, you live in essex i think the first rave i went to was in essex oh really um, yeah 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 i think it was um i think it was atlantis right and Epping, Epping, Epping Forest, man. Yeah. I remember, yeah, it was, it was because I remember it was like MJ Cole was playing and like a load of people like Ramsey and Fenn. And I remember like, I feel like Artful Dodger, they were doing a PA of Woman Trouble and Craig David wasn't on the flyer, but I had convinced myself that he was going to be there. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like in my head, I was like, Craig David's yeah. going to be there. And so I was like mad excited. But I remember I had my child's bus pass. I didn't know that they searched you on the way in. And so, oh dear! <laughs> so I take out all my stuff, 
with my friends and all my friends have gone in and then she's like the 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 bouncer she was like what's this and i was like uh i tried to say that like i was just trying to get cheaper travel or something i can't remember what i said but she just didn't have it but she said you know what i'll let you in tonight but if you come back again you're getting knocked and like she she was a she was a, a woman of her word because she let me in that night but every time i went back she was like, and that was the only place I couldn't get in because yeah. I looked old enough to get in anywhere, anywhere else, but she knew. Yeah. And so she'd be like, get out of here. But I remember that was... And essentially, it's quite creepy. There's a 30-year-old looking man with a kid's buds pass in his pocket. That's quite weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was 13, man. I was 13. And that, that, that would have been my first rave. And I would have heard... Because that record is technically... People say it's like the first two-step garage record. It, and it's interesting because it's an Ameri- it's an American record. It's kind of like an American like gospel house record, really. But it's got the kind of the deep sublow bass yeah. and the detached drums, so it kind of gets kind of counted as the first two step record. But um, I, I would have heard it that night, and like like I say, like it's just gone all the way through, um, you know, and it's just defined my, you know. Any club, any type of club, as well. Yeah. Like you're going to hear that record, you know. Okay, let's take you home. Favorite song from an artist from your home county, please. All right, cool, man. So, like, obviously, like, I, uh, we we picked up the Gallagher's earlier, so I got to so show some love to Damon as well because I I grew up in uh, Leytonstone. I was born in Whitscross Cross Hospital, and uh, Damon Albarn is obviously like one of the Leytonstone legends. Um, so I've gone with Gorillaz, uh, Demon Days. Nice. Uh, yeah, man. Do you know what? I was actually, because um, I spent quite a lot of time living in Manchester, and um, I was actually in, basically, like, that, that Demon Days album, so I, I picked the Demon Days song, but that Demon Days album was um, first performed, and I think it was in, in its entirety with everyone that was featured on it, at um, the Manchester International Festival uh, at the Manchester Opera House. And uh, I was in the choir for that run of shows. It was like five shows in a row. And that was like my first experience of... Um, That's incredible. It, yeah, it was, it was like I just got picked up. I was singing. I was like in Manchester just singing. And the guy that played drums in my one, uh, one band that I was in, he kind of said, do you want to come and do this thing? I was like, yeah, definitely. We're getting paid. And it was like, it was sick. And I... You know, it was like my first experience with the entertainment industry. Like everybody, everybody who was on that album was there, man. It was like, apart from, I think Dennis Hopper was the only person that wasn't there. Like uh, I met Ike Turner just before he died. Um, De La Soul were there. Um, Roots Maneuver. Uh, Nena Cherry. Uh, like a slow dance with Nena Cherry at one of the after Fuck parties. off, man. So- like when I set this podcast uh, up, right, there weren't many people that were on my wish list, right? Johnny Miles on that wish list, it ain't right, happened right, yet. Right. I literally messaged Nana Cherry for the third time last week. Right, like, right, right. man, I'm a 49-year-old guy at 16 years of age when she's on top of the pops doing Buffalo stunts. Fuck me, man. That shit mattered. Oh my god. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I mean, like she definitely wouldn't have remembered it, but it was it, it was one of those things that like for me it was big, but, uh, but, but, uh, yeah. And, and obviously like Damon Albarn is just like, you know, and, and do you know, the mad thing, uh, 
was uh, that was my introduction to Sean Ryder. I didn't know who he was. Mm. So like, I I must have seen this like, um, I must have seen this guy backstage, and he's just like, he was, I mean, you know, like he's pretty mashed up, and I and like I just I did kind of didn't want to talk to him. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. then like. Not that, you know, but I just I thought he was, I was like, who's this weird guy? I like, walked in our dressing yeah. room one time and I was just like, who's this guy? And then I seen the ovation that he got when he walked on stage and I was like, bro, like, what's, what's going on here? And that was like, <laughs> like, bro, like, he had like, uh, like a, you know, like a kind of like teleprompt, like a kind of like a karaoke style teleprompter to, to, um, and I guess it's not funny, actually, looking back at it. Because I, I kind of, like, now that I kind of, like, know more about him, it's not actually funny. But it was like, you know, it's there. He had to have it. I could see from behind the stage. Yeah. He had it on a teleprompter telling him when to say, it's there. Well, if um, I'm right, it was meant to have been, it's there anyway. And he just, <laughs> he got it wrong recording it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying it just, it just opened my eyes because it was just like raw. like my man doesn't know actually when to say yeah the lyric yeah and one night I remember the, the, the screens broke and they had to restart the song it was crazy yeah. man but I, I, I feel like that definitely opened my eyes to like the idea of like even though he, he, he was kind of like and I think he's kind of like a lot better these days isn't he but mm. like he was he was like he wasn't really there but yeah. the idea of his legend was so great yeah. that like just him walking on stage and like even if he just didn't get a lyric right people yeah. would just like that was the biggest moment yeah of the night oh we were in manchester in it yeah. so i'll, yeah, I'll give but, you a um, quick i'll give you a quick sean Ryder story right uh so he came and dj'd my club in essex and right. uh and this was, he'd just come out of I'm a Celebrity. I think he'd won it. Uh, right, okay. And he'd been and doing the jungle thing. And, uh, and, and he'd come out. And I was, you know, you have to understand, at uh, 16 years of age in 1989, Happy Mondays were the, the coolest fucking thing on the planet. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we've been playing Mondays records in my club forever. And it's like, I'm going to meet fucking Sean Ryder tonight. And uh, <laughs> he walked into the DJ booth and I was like, holy shit, Sean Ryder. And like... I went, hey, doing Sean? And uh, I won't say what he said to me first, but I was like, no, I can't get that for you, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I said, but Ella, do you want a beer? So I gave him this bottle of bud. We was chatting. And, uh, and I thought, I can't wait for him to open this record box because in my mind, it was going to be stacked full of like Hacienda gold. Right. right, yeah, yeah. He opened up this little box, and there was about six CDs in there, and like I think three of them were like classic driving gold, free with a Sunday Express, and I was like, <laughs> his record collection's free CDs from a fucking newspaper. So, <laughs> I was like, Sean Ryder is consistently on point with the brand. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. You know, if you're gonna fucking get mangled and just fucking brand that, he's on point constantly, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's got this beer, and I went, Sean. I went like, um, this is my last track. You can follow it. And he went, What do you mean? I went, Well, we're, obviously we're paying you a fucking load of money to DJ. He went, oh, I can't DJ. 
(laughs) And he gave me a CD and he went track six or whatever. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm paying you thousands of pounds for me to DJ. All right. So I thought, go with it. So I've introduced him. Crowd's gone fucking mental. And, uh, And I went, Sean, I said, if I play Step On... Are you happy to go on the mic and just do a bit of twisting my melons, man, and just give it a little yeah, bit of it? He was like, Yeah, 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 definitely, man. I was like, Wicked. So, like, fucking dang, 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 da dang, da dang, dang, dang. And it's all gone. And then he's just got the mic and he's going, Son, I'm 30. And I was thinking, He's singing the wrong song. And like, <laughs> <laughs> he was singing Kinky Afro over Step On. And I was thinking, Fucking hell. He delivers time and time again. That's amazing. <laughs> but, but the thing is, because if that oh, was... Oh, sorry, a... sorry. More importantly, yeah. okay, cool, the cool, first cool. bit, no one could hear him. And I was like, what's <laughs> going on? And he's going, Mike's fucked. Mike's fucked. And then I had to look at one of my heroes, and he had the bottle of Bud in one hand and the mic in the other, and I had to explain that he was singing into the bottle of Bud. <laughs> 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 That's amazing, man. But 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 it's like it's like it's like that is what make it's like if you if you told me that story about someone else, like if you told me that story about like, I don't know like Phil Collins or something, it would just be kind of like embarrassing. But because it's him, it's like it's it just satisfies everything that we <laughs> we we want. Yeah, and, and, and I find it really interesting. I, I feel like there's like a real kind of like. I feel like the people that were working on that project at the time, I don't know the ins and outs of every producer or the engineers and stuff, but they did an incredible job because basically they just let these men live what they were doing and then they yeah. captured it. in the, Even like the, the, the directors, like you look at Kinky Afro video or, you know, like it's just like in, in, incredible. They just managed to kind of, and I, I kind of compare it a lot to like um, what people would call like, um, I wouldn't call calling this anymore, but like you know, like kind of like mumble rappers, where mm. like they they they're like, you know, sipping lean and, and like getting out of it in the studio and just freestyling. But it's the engineer that is kind of picking out the gold and structuring the record. And I kind of feel I get the feeling that that was how a lot of those Happy Mondays work records. You know, you kind of like you kind of capture the gold out of this kind of chaos and well, pin I think, it down. Because I think it was Martin Hannett that, that done all of them early okay. uh, productions. He was more fucked up than them. Right, okay. <laughs> 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 so how, I, I, that's insane. I've no someone, idea. Someone must have been sober. I refuse to believe yeah, <laughs> that everyone was fucked. Like someone must have been like, okay, let's put that bit there. Like, I've been in the studio when everyone's fucked up. Like nothing yeah. gets done. Yeah. Like it's just too. It's too far. Yeah. Someone has to pull it together. Mm. You know. But yeah. All right. Well, look. Um, this is uh, the last track, and uh, and you get to be a tastemaker for this one, mate. And, right, right, uh, right. And it's a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear. Yeah, man, for sure. I mean, this was the easiest one to pick for me. This is like um, one of my all-time favourite songs, um, Do Angels Cry by uh, Lyndon David Hall. Um, Lyndon David Hall um, is a hugely, hugely influential on me um i would say for those people that don't know who he is i think that the the probably the easiest cultural 
reference is um, Love Actually. You know, in a wedding, mm. when like they surprise him with the, the band, they do All You Need Is Love in the wedding, that's Linda David Hall singing. Mm. Um, so, um, but he's like, you know, in terms of like the kind of tapestry of British soul, he's like such an important, um, he was like our... You know, uh, it's like before Craig David, before that kind of, I guess he was like our, I wouldn't say Maxwell, but like, um, you know, I just think. It's definitely a UK kind of Maxwell D'Angelo type thing. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and, uh, he's super, you can even hear like, even to this day, my, you know, my, you know, this, he's so influential on my style of, of kind of like singing. And, um, you know, I was lucky enough to, like, meet, you know, again, when I was, like, you know, 15, 16 or whatever, I met him in a West End club once, and he was, like, super shy and, and all that. But but um, sadly, he, he died of Hodgkin's, um, like, in his early 30s, man. But, like, I kind of feel like the biggest, the, the song that people know of his the most is Sexy Cinderella. But I feel like Do Angels Cry is just, pff, man, it's like I listen to it. And when I'm on tour... I just, you know, backstage before I go on, that's one of the, the records that I just kind of go to. And I, I just feel like I just want, I just want everyone to hear it. I mean, he should be like, you know, he should be like revered, like people revere, like Jeff Buckley or someone like that. It's it's kind of like he's, I just think he's incredible, but I feel like he, he, he kind of missed the kind of social media wave and he didn't have yeah. a big enough kind of like commercial hit so he's not really like remembered in the way that I, I think he should be, but um, but um, yeah, hopefully just even by like even if you know we can put a few people onto to him from this, I, I think it would be worth it because you know I think he yeah is just an in, incredible influence for me and just an incredible part of the British soul um, yeah. legacy, you know. Well. We make it easy for people to go and explore it because we put together a Spotify playlist to accompany the oh, podcast amazing. with 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 all your choices, and we're, we're throwing so many other tunes that we've we've chatted about. Um, <clears throat> as uh, as as twenty twenty two's gathering a bit of pace now, like yeah, yeah, yeah. talk me through what your uh, what you're looking forward to personally from the rest of this year, and what's going to be happening um, professionally. Yeah, man, I'm just, like, super excited, bro. Like, it's like um, my album's... I, I guess maybe my album will be out by the time this airs or, or it will just yeah. be about to come out. Um, I'm I'm doing, like, uh, in-store at Rough Trade East, uh, Fop Manchester. I'm just... I'm really looking forward to just, like, meeting... You know, I, I've tried to do a few things over the past few months where I meet people that support me and I, I, I really like doing that. And so I'm looking forward to meeting you know, the people that are really making it so that I can actually, like, do this thing that I, I love, man. It's such a great exchange, I, th- I think, you know, between between me and them. And, and, and I think I'm, I'm looking forward to, like, performing that music. And then, um, yeah, um, yeah, I guess it's some stuff that I won't mention yet because I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to Yeah 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 I, yeah. I was I was going to say some st- other stuff but it's not announced yet and you know it, yeah yeah but, well, but obviously like I mean it's, it's pretty obvious that I'm going to go on tour. Yeah. I think at some point yeah. it's pretty obvious. So that's not crazy to say that. Yeah. And if people want to kind of stay up to speed on releases, tour dates, everything, yeah. where's the best place to 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 follow you? 
Uh, Murkage Dave, uh, M-U-R-K-A-G-E-D-A-V, Murkage Dave everywhere, uh, like whether you on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, wherever, like Facebook, or, or um, murkagedave.co.uk. Wonderful. Well, if it's cool with you, we'll tag you on uh, all the posts when this episode yeah, comes please, out. So, yeah, uh, so people can go and explore uh, more of what you do. Um, mate, I've had an absolute blast today. It's been Same. so good talking records, yeah. man. Yeah, and, and you've uh, put you've you've put me on to like <laughs> like like I'm gonna end up going down another like rabbit hole now. So thank you, man. This is this is this is what it's all about, man. Yeah. yeah. So thank you. Oh mate, it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, and I will definitely come and say hi at the Rough Trade in store, man. Oh yeah, please, please do, yeah. There you go. What an absolute dude. Like know when you just have them chats where I don't know. You know, I'm I'm just so lucky to get to to spend, you know, uh, an hour a day recording these with with just so many creative people, and and every now and again you just kind of you click, and uh, and I don't know if that's just because we've both got a bit of previous as club promoters, and yeah, I don't know, but yeah, I just felt that yeah, musically, you know, we 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 was we had a lot of shared interests, and it makes the conversation, you know, nice and friendly, and 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 yeah, and 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 just relaxed and loose and and that's what i feel uh today's natter was so i hope you got um if you got a fraction of the enjoyment listening as i did having that conversation then uh then my work is done because uh, that was a real delight and uh, and what a top gent he was um yeah go give him a uh, a follow on all the socials if you don't do so already um and yeah go check out the playlist on spotify um and get stuck into that and yeah go uh, go check him out at rough trade and uh yeah Go uh, support the new record as well. Anyway, uh, I love you and leave you. Thanks ever so much um, for listening. It's much appreciated. Have a lovely week and I'll see you next time. Love you. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me Stu Whipping. Eat a